Dr. Rachel Griffiths, and I'm with my father and partner in aquatics. Dr. Tom Griffiths. Welcome to The Drowning Files, where each week we share a lawsuit we've been involved in or another true story with suggestions to learn from these tragedies to save lives. What case do you have today? Well, in this particular case, uh, this unfortunate case, we have a common setting for for the summertime. It's a football camp, and, and many of these grade school and high school football camps will go to a university for a week-long camp for a sports skill. Uh, For instance, uh, soccer camp, football camp, gymnastics camp, um, cheerleading camp. And at this particular university, which was a well-known university um, in a southern state in the United States, uh, they had this football camp offering with literally hundreds of football campers participating. And because universities typically have superior sport facilities, including the swimming facilities, this was an ideal um, environment for this university to host these sports camps. And what we had in this case was a child who was participating in the Uh, the sports camp. And you can only do so many hours of football during a day. And to beat the heat and to beat the boredom of the sports camp, you had alternate activities like, um, you know, going into the dorms and watching TV or going to the pool and swimming and so forth. And in this case, they had pool time. And most of the kids, because it was hot out, elected to go to the pool And being a university facility, they had several pools under the same roof. They had a big competitive 50-meter competitive pool, racing pool, and they also had a separate diving well. Well, as luck would have it, all these kids came to to the university swimming complex, and near the end of their hour swim, they were only allowed a lot an hour to swim. A child was found on the bottom of the deep water diving pool. I think it was 14 feet deep, could have been 15 feet deep, but because there was a 10 meter tower, he was found on the bottom of that pool. And uh, basically that's the case. You had about how, how old was the kid? You said he was in, he was enrolled in the football camp. Yes. I think it was a freshman or sophomore high school, as I remember. So he would have been uh, 14 or 15 or so. Um, and, um, they were counselors, football counselors in charge of the children, both while they were participating in football and while they were participating in the ancillary activities and they were lifeguards on duty. So do they know anything that happened or just know that he was found on the bottom? Yeah. Just ultimately after the incident, Retrospectively, they found out that this young child, who was a good athlete, never learned how to swim. And the tragic thing about it, this drowning was so easy to prevent if simply the counselors and or the lifeguards on duty knew that he couldn't swim. They would keep him out of that diving well or keep him out of deep water and or have him wear a life jacket. And so when the case went down, do you remember what 
each side argued and how that ended up? Sure. It's again, it's, it's very similar. Um, the, the lifeguards or the facility, the university said that we uh, should have been apprised of the child's lack of swimming ability, whereas the sport camp said that we paid not only to be on campus and pay for your sports facilities, but we also paid an additional fee, a swimming fee to use your swimming pool with your lifeguards on duty. Now, the reason why the, the plaintiffs, the parents had a stronger case here is that in the rules and regulations for the aquatic facility, it said that for groups using the pool, we must swim test all participants coming in, regardless of why this group is using our university pool, this off-campus group is using our university pool. We have a policy that a swim test must be enforced to identify who can swim and who can't. Unfortunately, the university did not provide that swim test. So they did not identify that this child was a non-swimmer. So in my opinion, I, I believed in this case that the university, the one with the swimming pool, the water safety experts among everyone that was there should have could have easily admitted a swim test, but they did not. So in this case, they had a group use policy, which we always recommend. They just didn't practice it. Yes. And, and one of the reasons why they did not, and I'm not making excuses for them, but what happened was there was a change in the administration. One aquatic administrator left, a new one came in and as I recall, he was trying to get up to speed and, you know, did not have all the policies and procedures that were in place. He didn't practice many of those. He was just getting up to speed. And, and this is a procedure that fell through the crack. Um, also liable in this case was the, the football camp, the sports camp, because, and this happens way too often, the sports camp simply relied 100% on the knowledge and experience of the aquatic staff at the university. They did not do any homework on their own and, and did not realize that their footballers should have been tested. Uh, they should have been identified between swimmers and non-swimmers and so forth and so on. So, uh, both groups were liable, but I always feel that, in my opinion, the landlord, I call call the facility the landlord because they own and operate the pool and they have lifeguards and head lifeguards and aquatic directors who should be able to put in these proactive prevention strategies in place for all groups coming to the pool. So was the result a settlement? Yeah, they always settle. Um, you know, if if I may, I, I want to tell a little side story to this lawsuit. It was settled and uh, for a significant amount. Again, uh, they don't give me the details. Um, but the 
plaintiff's attorney who was arguing for um, the family and the lost child um, was really attacking me aggressively while I was on the witness stand, um, while I was being deposed. And this is one of the few depositions that I had, and it happens from time to time, uh, that the attorney, opposing attorney asking the questions was very, very unprofessional in that he was questioning my motive for being an expert witness and, you know, questioning how much money I was making and I'm doing this just for the money. And uh, it was just um, making me very uncomfortable. And as you know, Rach, I I have a short fuse sometimes when people are being uh, unprofessional with me. So Many lawyers today, most lawyers, you know, 95% of the lawyers are very professional and they have you stick to the facts. But this was a a case, a tragic case. And I felt the plaintiff's attorney made it worse because he kept personalizing the case and, and not looking for just opinions, but looking to make you mad and trip you up and trying to get me to lose my temper while under oath. So that was kind of a side sidebar for this case. That just shows a lot of the time, just because someone's one party is suing or not suing just in general, doesn't mean that that's what went wrong. It's they can argue basically anything using anything. Oh yeah. I mean, some attorneys are so, so motivated to get millions of dollars for their clients that they will just say or do anything to try to catch the deponent, the person who's being deponed, uh, deposed like me, trip us, trip me up and, you know, put me in a corner. I can remember, and I'm getting off the topic, I'm sorry, but one lawsuit I had in Texas, the plaintiff's attorney, and I was the def- defending spent nine hours deposing me, which is crazy, nine hours. And so after they finished deposing me and I flew back to State College, Pennsylvania, that wasn't enough. He got a judge's order to fly to State College two weeks later, go in my office and and evict me from my office and go through every textbook, every notebook, every pad of paper to try to get some dirt or some facts on me that would help him in the case. And he did that for one full business day. I don't know why the judge would allow that. But anyway, that's what he did. He didn't find anything. Um, It was a defense verdict and I was working for the defense. But um, yeah, going back to the sports camp football drowning case, this attorney was, I thought, very unprofessional and there can be others too which makes expert witnessing even more difficult 